Hey, hey, Pop. Yeah? You're always wondering about stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, I am, actually. Uh, there's a lot to wonder about out there, son. There sure is. Ever wondered about making a podcast? Huh. No, not really. Come on, come on, come on. We could get together, shake up a few drinks, okay. build our own bar, call it the Wonder Bar. Oh, now it. you're talking. Okay. But what would we wonder about? Anything and everything. Hey there, and thanks for joining us on 7,000 Wonders of the World, also known as 7,000 Wows, and can be found on the web at 7,000wows.com. I'm Greg. I'm Zane. And we're coming to you from the subterranean depths of our basement podcast studio in Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts. This is where we invite you in. This is where we sit. This is where we wonder. And we have a drink or two at the Wonder Bar. Today, we're looking at something that is near and dear to me. I recently wrote my master's thesis, and one of the main concepts I used for it was the flow state. Yep, and knowing that we were going to be flowing, I found a beer for our Wonder Bar selection this episode. It's... Nice drum roll. It is called Free Flow IPA. Otter Creek Brewing out of Vermont. And the link for this particular beer is also on 7000wiles.com along with our show notes. What are some descriptors of this beer? See. I can hear you. Hopefully my squelchy um, sipping isn't too loud. Oh. Hmm. That wets the whistle. Uh, obviously some hops because it's an IPA, but it's not too hoppy. Yeah, there's a little citrusy too. Mm-hmm. I like the can. It's really cool. Um, or did you want to also add some more descriptors? It looks like it looks like I can see you across there, kind of. I, I feel the vibe of you wanting to say, "Hey, I got something else to add." Um, I'm not a connoisseur, but hops and citrus. <laughs> That's all I can really give okay. you. All right. Yeah. And back to the can. It's uh, it's kind of cool. It's got the free flow graphics flowing. That's about it for our description of our Wonder Bar selection for today's topic. So the topic is flow, mm-hmm. or the state of flow, and I have a story. Let's hear it. So the year is 1944, and in Budapest, a child sits in front of a checkered board. His hand supports a head that is fiercely concentrated on the board in front of him. Mm-hmm. Across from him sits another child just as focused on the checkered board and the infinite complexity of the patterns and the potential contained within it he picks up a wooden piece carved in the shape of a horse and moves it across the board the game of war that they're playing is nothing like the actual war being waged outside of the little refuge they've created for themselves chess is their solace It allows them to forget the realities of the siege, of the bombs exploding, the fires blazing, and the shots going off. The siege that would last 50 days and cost the young boy his brother's life, unfortunately. Yeah, oops, I was having a little bit too much fun with that without realizing that we lose the brother's life there. Um, Well, the young boy that survived was and is the most famous flow state researcher that there is out there, and he's widely considered to be the father of flow. That's right. He would think back to that experience decades later, remembering it and using it as a foundation of his most well-known work in psychology. And who is he? 
His name? Mihai Chick sent Mihai. Mm-hmm. Not easy to say, especially when you see it in print. There's like yeah. C's and S's together with the KS's and Z's together, and then you got the LYI's near the end. I mean, there's just not enough vowels when you look at it and you're thinking to yourself, scratching your head, how am I supposed to pronounce this? So I had to, like most people that see this name, you have to repeat it or hear someone else say it so many times that you have to come up with some way of remembering it. And the way that I remember it was um, with a little mnemonic device. Why don't you tell us? Yeah, well, I, I, I you know, have to now disclose a thing or two. So That's I, it, was okay. a time, it was a time in Amsterdam. Um, we were all on a family trip, to, as a matter of fact. You were there. and uh, Family trip, huh? Yeah, yeah no pun intended. <laughs> when you go to Amsterdam. Parts of the story are a little bit hazy, as a matter of fact, because it was Amsterdam. <laughs> kind of hazy like this IPA, huh? Yeah, got it. So long story short, I had a space cake or some other offering after visiting a coffee shop, and I do believe I was sent on the mission by your mother. By my mother? Mama. I'm going to blame her. Hmm. The product, if I remember correctly, was quite strong, and I thought I could relive my old glory days, but um, I couldn't. So needless to say, I was sent high to the stratosphere. That should be a new term. I was sent, man. I was sent. That that's People say that's, send it. Really? Send it, but that's like if you're driving. Send it? Like send it through that red light, or no, send it oh. through that yellow light. Really? Send oh, it, send I it. I never heard of that. Well, maybe we can start something new here. That beer was so good, I was sent. Huh. Anyway, chick sent me high. That's it. Sorry, Mama, for calling you a chick, but Mama sending me into the Amsterdam coffee shop and sending me into the stratosphere, and that is the connection to me high. Chick sent me high. That's, that was an easy shot. Low blow. Mama's always the easiest scapegoat, right? Yeah. She doesn't need to hear this podcast. Maybe we'll keep her away from this episode. So anyway, let's give a little background on the genesis of the concept of flow. Mm -hmm. Our man Csikszentmihalyi moved to the U.S. from Europe to pursue a career in psychology and research after being inspired by Carl Jung, after seeing a lecture by him. I remember that, yeah. And uh, as a psychology student in the 60s, he really was dissatisfied with what was going on at that time with psychology. Yeah, He didn't like that psychologists were only studying what was wrong with people, you know, which you would, if you think about it, why did they take forever to figure out that we should start figuring out how to look into what's right with people, you know? I mean, they were studying what was causing psychological problems, the neuroticisms and psychoticisms, the futilitarianisms, all those scary isms. We sick and tired of your ism schism game. <laughs> what? Come on, man. It's a Bob Marley. <laughs> that was more Italian. Get up, stand up. Get up, stand up. Oh, yeah. I'm working on my Jamaican accent. I for got all you it. Out there. I see. Yaman. Yeah, I see. I see what you're doing there, my man. Uh, yeah. I know. Get up, stand up. I Great just song. Didn't realize sometimes you, you love songs and you don't really understand all the lyrics, but. That is what uh, Csikszentmihalyi wanted to address, was that actual concept. The isms, the isms, the isms, and the schisms that they create. So he, again, thought that psychologists were only looking at ways to alleviate problems and negative conditions. They weren't really 
creating and promoting positive ones. So he, at that time, wondered how to change that. Yeah, and at the time, there were some schools of psychology that were just beginning to take off, like Mm -hmm. uh, humanistic psychology. Uh, You had psychologists like Carl Rogers and Abraham Maslow. You know him from the hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. Most people will be familiar with him. Although I mispronounce his name, I guess. Why? Maslow is what I would have said. but Maslow? Maslow. I don't know. You could be right. There was also Martin Seligman. For this episode... We'll go with Maslow because it rhymes with flow. Yeah. There we go. There was also Martin Seligman and the positive psychology movement. But overall, there was little work on what made a good life. What was the good life? And that's one of the questions that actually Chick Semihai asks in his first book on flow. He goes back to Aristotle, who was mm-hmm. all about. What's up with life and what is a good life? How do we lead and live a good life? Chick Samihai wanted to change that, wanted to start asking that question rather in psychology. Well, that makes sense. I mean, who doesn't want a good life? Or we're, all, want... we're all chasing it, even if we're not aware. Exactly. I, I would hope that our listeners are chasing it. Um, I think we are. And it is something I wonder about often. Me too. Yeah. And, so Chick sent me high, was just like us way back in the 60s, and he began to study people who lived fulfilling and meaningful lives. I mean, this is what you would do when you want to try and figure out, hey, these people seem happy. They have a life of purpose. They have meaningful lives. So sure enough, um, he decided to find people who didn't see their work as work, you know, more something that they enjoyed doing. And something on another level, like a meta level, Chick Samuel himself was enjoying his work, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a researcher. He was into it. He was asking people what makes life mean, uh, meaningful, rewarding for you. What are those activities that you do? And, and how, does it, how does it feel? What is that experience like? So he was initially... Like, be like Mike. Be like Mike. Be in, like Mihai. In the Chick zone. sent Mihai. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that. I wonder, I wonder if, he was the, if he was the original be like person. I think Mihai is the Hungarian uh, equivalent of Mike. Good. Uh, I wonder if his friends actually call him Mike. Mike, Mihai. We'll get him on the show. We'll ask him. We'll yeah, say, we'll hey, hey, is it okay if we call you Mike? We, he'd probably say, yeah, he's pretty chill. I think he would be pretty chill. He's He has a life of purpose and meaning. He's right. got a lot of well-being going on in his life. Initially, he studied chess players, surgeons, and rock climbers. But then he was like, you know what? Let's expand this. Let's expand our observations to include people who find enjoyment in any activity. So he, he did studies in factories, um, I think outside of the Chicago area. Uh, he even studied just, you know, your average Joe or Jane having a conversation, a stimulating conversation. Yeah, I mean, some of the most content, successful, happy people I've ever met have a passion for something, uh, an enjoyment in an endeavor or some kind of passion that would lead to the, what we're calling flow in this episode. So, and I know these people have a more meaningful life. They, they just, they're the kind of people you want to be around. They're happy. They're well-situated. Um, they, I don't think even know that what they're doing is flow, but they've just found this great place to be in their life. And whether it's work or, or a hobby or some other passionate endeavor they have, they're really, Cool people having really cool lives. 
Yeah, the way he actually came up with the name is actually pretty interesting too. So he noticed that the people in his studies were describing their experience of enjoyment in very similar, if not exactly the same mm, way. That's interesting. He says a few of them, you know, almost word for word describe it the same as if they were carried carried away or carried by the flow of a river. It was effortless. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they could just let go to something greater than themselves. They didn't have to swim upstream or even swim downstream, swim at all. They were just let go and carried by the river. So he ditched his more cryptic and academic term, which was autotelic activity, and just went with flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, autotelic activity, well, that just doesn't flow. <laughs> I mean, look at our beer here. Can you imagine if this was called free autotelic activity? No, it's called free flow for a reason. And it's free flowing and it's pretty tasty. It is good. I'm going to go with that. Although autotelic activity... We'll have to go. We'll have to teach our listeners about that. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little a little bit later. Um, Chick found me. Chick sent me high's flow state. It's like floating on a river, carried by the activity. And how do you know when you're in flow? Well, you can't really be aware that you're in flow when you're in flow because then you wouldn't be in flow. So there's sort of this paradox around it. Yeah, and uh, I think our fellow wanderers uh, actually have experienced flow without realizing it i mean it just it makes sense that somebody um ha- has had a time in their life where they get lost in an activity they didn't even want it to end probably a lot of you listening right now can think back at, to when you were a kid and your, your summer days seemed to be endless it was probably because you were just enjoying the heck out of whatever it was that you were doing i remember for me i i loved climbing trees back in old smyrna delaware i think most kids are in flow most of the time yeah, that's the beauty, isn't it? And, right. they, and if they're not being negatively impacted in some way in their life because of you know not having enough food on the table or poverty or other things, if they're being well taken care of, that is the natural state for a child to be in, if yeah. you think about it. Yeah. Like I could say, again, climbing trees for me, there was not a tree in our neighborhood that stood a chance. You know, I, they, they, It was like I would walk down the street and I would get a challenge from a tree and I would stop and have to figure out like that's a pretty high first branch to get to but i'm gonna give it a shot and you know there was always so much happiness and joy in in climbing trees when i was a kid that uh that would be one of my earliest memories and i didn't know what it was called back then you know flow state or well you hope you as an adult you find ways to create a space for flow to enter your life you find activities for me playing music um exercising running runners mm-hmm. high yep um doing research too sure and just exploring all the interesting stuff that there is out there trying to find a beer or a cocktail that's all of that for the episode all of that my, stuff one even one doing the podcast joys, one of my favorite passions even doing the podcast for sure so chick sent me high he identified very definite dimensions or features of flow for instance he wrote about Intense and focused concentration on the task at hand. That's one of them, one of the features. And I think that's something everyone can understand. You know, you're so focused on it that it's like nothing else exists. And we'll we'll go into uh, more of the features. They actually have overlaps. Right, yeah. I mean, that's that's one that I think a lot of people kind of understand. 
uh, especially when you say you get lost in an activity or, or my clee tri- uh, clee triming example. Clee triming. <laughs> Let's keep that in. Producer, don't don't uh, edit that we out. We want, want that, that in there. In. Yeah, want to make sure we're not robots, right? People understand that. Yeah, we're not Russian bots over here. We're actually people that make slip ups. So the one of the other ones that ha- happens when you're in flow is called the merging of action and awareness. And I think this is one that some folks might have the most trouble understanding. So the way I, I would put it is that the activity becomes unforced. It's almost automatic. So the easiest way to understand maybe this concept is from sports, the idea of being in the zone. You could you could think of Michael Jordan playing at his highest level. Right. That's magical, right? Think of beauty when you see him. Yeah, an actor nailing a scene. Uh, that's merging action and awareness. Or the typical image you have of a coder uh, who is completely engrossed in their coding. That's merging action and awareness. Or a writer whose ideas are unconstrained and just flowing, flowing, flowing. That is merging action and awareness. So I guess one of the really good ways of looking at this would be a surfer completely a big wave surfer let's say completely at ease on his board gliding down or her board gliding down the face of a monster wave i mean can you imagine if your action awareness wasn't merged in that particular case that's potential that's that's a lot of broken yeah so really just the way to think of it is any time that you're just lost in that activity that is merging action awareness total absorption Another one is loss of self-consciousness. Now, what does that mean? doesn't mean you're... Yeah, like not even caring what other people think. Right, exactly. doesn't mean you're knocked out. You've had 12 free-flow IPAs and you're passed out. You're, you've lost self... You've lost consciousness. What are you it trying means, to say there? What? What are you trying to say? I'm just trying to say slow it down a little bit. <laughs> um, no, what it means is you lose that hyper-awareness, that hyper-sensitivity of what do I look like? in the eyes of others. Why is that person looking at me in that way? You're not, you're not even thinking about that. You're not even concerned. You're not, you don't even realize there's a crowd of people that have gathered around you while you're playing music in the street or doing or making a painting of, of beautiful landscape. You're, you're not aware of that. Mm-hmm. Another one is sense of control, actually. Mm-hmm. So you do feel like you're in control. You feel like you're quick to deal with the situation. Yeah, and this... this this whole idea of being equipped to deal with the situation really um, hits home for me mm-hmm. and it leads to another feature, which is the challenge skill balance. So in a classroom, any teacher would tell you that there needs to be a challenge skill balance struck. Uh, otherwise, if the challenge is too great, the kids are going to act out. They're not going to be uh, into the, whatever task at hand yeah. there is. When the challenge is, is not great enough, they're going to be bored. They could act out. They could flip out. They could do things that you don't really want happening in a classroom. So that's just one example from a classroom or kind of uh, understanding through an academic lens. But everyone's been in this in this situation because everyone's going to school. And the idea is that you have to have a good balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that sweet spot between boredom and anxiety, which was actually the title of the first book on flow that Csikszentmihalyi wrote. Um, and another dimension is transformation of time. Time flows when you're having flow. Time flies when you're having flow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, easy for me to say. <laughs> and then there's back to the uh, phrase that I mentioned earlier, autotelic experience. And it's a Greek word. 
or a derivative from Greek, auto meaning self and telos meaning goal. Mm -hmm. So it's about a goal being intrinsically rewarding to yourself. And if I'm not mistaken, it's been researched that uh, intrinsic rewards are almost always more meaningful than extrinsic rewards like money or fame. Actually, that might be a topic for a different episode. Yeah, we could do that. That's a good idea. What other dimensions are there? So the last dimension we'll look at before we take a break is clear and immediate feedback. Mm -hmm. So you know moment by moment whether what you're doing is getting you closer to your goal. You mentioned climbing trees as a kid before. Favorite activity. Rock climbing is one of the ultimate flow activities. So the rock climber, he or she knows right away whether their decision to make a certain hold was a good one. Because either they're falling, hopefully they're harnessed in, or they're continuing up the rock face. Wow. A true cliffhanger. <laughs> right before our break. We're back. And I uh, just want to mention how Csikszentmihalyi speaks of entering different reality, which is his phrase, when someone's experiencing flow, he explains it by stating that our central nervous system is incapable of processing more than 110 bits of information a second, right? I guess, yeah. Yeah. So an example is, is listening to someone speak. You know, you can hear them, and then not only can you hear them, but to get the full bits of information, you have to process that. And what scientists have found is that they are saying that that process takes about 60 bits per second right i mean how they actually measure that i don't know we're taking we're taking it with with uh taking it on faith yeah i, I mean i looked it up it's out there so it, it seems pretty true okay yeah 110 but it's like when you're at a party right and you're trying to divide your attention between politely politely listening to the self-appointed blowhard expert in front of you who is trying to who is rambling on about the best putting grip i know that guy and then trying to catch the interesting story on the other side of the room so i mean i think it's not controversial to say that we've all experienced that and that we all recognize that we have a limited capacity of attention and processing power again whether that number is 110 bits per second or something different isn't really important the important question is how do you spend your currency absolutely i mean that's why they call it paying attention right, right? and it this point is even struck home for us when we watched a TED Talk by the actor Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He mentions flow, and his point is that there's a different. His point is that there's a difference between getting attention and paying attention. One is negative, and one is positive. Yeah. So flow has to do with paying attention, being focused. But if you're thinking about getting attention, your psychic energy is scattered, and you can't be completely immersed in the activity. What do other people think of me? How am I performing in the eyes of the world? Those are questions that don't arise when you're in flow. Getting attention also is not intrinsic. It's all about the extrinsic outcome of feeding you know, your self-image. Mm -hmm. Then the other thing that Joseph Gordon-Levitt mentions is the difference between competing with other actors, something that he experienced himself, right. competing for likes on social media, well, actually for other people's attention, just uh, in general, really, and then versus collaborating, 
the competing versus collaborating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, collaboration is a big one. In his TED Talk, he even created a website that is called Hit Record, all one word, and it encourages collaboration. We've got a link on it on 7000miles.com and also to his TED Talk. Um, this idea of collaboration is a good one because it brings up the idea of can flow work in a group. Mm-hmm. And there have been studies and there are projects out there related to this idea of group flow. So when you collaborate with others, engaging with all the elements of flow that we've described, I mean, is that group flow? Is there such a thing? I know that you feel good doing flow on an individual level, but you being can feel just flow. as good, huh? Being you feel good in being. a flow state, being in a flow state, sorry, yeah. But you can benefit as well and maybe even more when you're actually doing it with other people. It's an interesting question as educators, both of us have, you have had teaching experience and I'm currently teaching and you, you, you think about how can we get all these little kiddos engaged yeah. and flowing together? Right, or even when you are in meetings with other teachers and you're collaborating to, right. to do your best uh, for those kiddos and, um, and you come away from a meeting like that uh, excited and jazzed and looking forward to what you've collaborated on and, and implementing in the classroom. So yeah, I'm sure there's all kinds of things our audience is thinking about right now where they've been part of a, of a group flow situation as well without even knowing it was called that. Right, so one of Chicxulub-Mihai's students, his name is Keith Sawyer, who's a professor now, I think at uh, University of North Carolina. He has introduced the uh, this idea of group flow and done a lot of work on it in the last decade or two. He's actually a jazz pianist himself, and he began to notice a lot of the dimensions of flow that we talked about earlier uh, when he was playing in his jazz ensemble, and then he confirmed that with the others in the group. And he kind of thought to himself, well, this is interesting. We're all experiencing these dimensions of flow when we're playing together. And it's almost like a new flow of energy has emerged between us when we're playing. So he took that hunch, just like Csikszentmihalyi took the hunch of chess playing many, many years before. And he began to study other groups, uh, not only jazz, but improv theater groups, Mm -hmm. pick up basketball, even business teams. Yeah, jazz. That that always gets me. Is it's so improvisational, yeah. right? So it's got to be one pursuit that really lends itself to the flow state. And obviously, you're playing with an ensemble. Then it's got to be group flow, All right? Um, Sawyer outlines ten different group flow enabling conditions. I guess we'll call them. I don't think it's important to go into all of them, but uh, I think we should touch on a few that are interesting. So one of the first that that drew my attention was this idea of the paradox of group flow, which everyone can probably see where I'm going with this. Um, Each person within a group needs to feel a certain degree of control while also being flexible and willing to submit to the emerging flow of the group. So you become less of an individual and more part of the group. And this idea of being in the group is related to another condition, which is considered the blending of egos so you got to check your ego at the door you can't have somebody full of arrogance coming in there and telling everybody how to do it that's not going to be a good place to be experiencing group flow with someone feeling like that doesn't matter how skilled they are yeah speaking of skills the skills among the participants should be relatively close sure or in the case of a business meeting you should have people that are really willing to be mentors for other for others right Mm mm-hmm 
but they should be close enough where you know you should be sufficiently challenging you should be sufficiently challenged with each other if you have lebron james on the same team as a third grader uh one of them is going to be really frustrated and one of them is just going to be playing board or they might both be frustrated yeah yeah probably another one that he lists is familiarity and this has to do with knowing the communication communicating or communication and working styles of those that you're engaging with in the group so it also helps to have rules for the activity and if i think back about different group flows in my uh, previous life i remember when uh, me and my bartending mates we used to produce theater it was a nonprofit theater we called ourselves the poor boys because we all worked as bartenders together and well we didn't have much money pretty clever <laughs> anyway we we would do everything so we would produce it, we would uh, buy the scripts, we would direct it, we would obviously act in it, and uh, we, we even sold the popcorn. I mean, we had a blast, and it was because of all those things that we just mentioned. We were familiar with each other, uh, we had a framework to work together. Um, obviously, when you produce theater and, you, and you're all doing it together, you have a script and roles, you, have a, you rent out a space, and you have a timeline for all these things to happen, so it was a really good example without me knowing it of, of how group flow works. Yeah. I had a similar experience when doing improv theater, actually. Was that local or I mean here in Massachusetts? No, that was when I was in Luxembourg. So I started an improv theater group over there at the university. I did not and know that. The group was small. Well, the university was small and young, not even 20 years, but we were, we were full of dedicated members and I could see how over time we got much more comfortable with each other, trusted each other more, and that allowed us to really flourish and allow our spontaneity and creativity to be released. And there were definitely moments of group flow where you could feel this just is, is working seamlessly and nobody could predict what the next scene is going to, what the next line is going to be, what, what, where the scene is going to go. But we just kind of trusted that mm -hmm. we're flowing together. You have to. It, it Improv reminds me of jazz. Mm -hmm. It's it's got there's got to be a lot of trust and a lot of um, skill challenge balances w working out there. Right. Um, so that's it. That's um, talking about flow state and in individuals. We've touched on aspects of group flow. I'm sure there are folks who are skeptical about some of this, and maybe because of that, we should break here and. Uh, come back with our advocatus diaboli feature yep that is the devil's advocate so let's do it let's break all right welcome to devil's advocate that's us reviewing the doubts and the cynicisms the skepticisms and the criticisms more and... isms man <laughs> enough funny. of the isms <laughs> all right so let me start by playing devil's advocate first i'm pretty sure that some of the issues that people have are things like um for instance fulfilling all nine of the features that we that we talked about in the individual flow state like dude i thought i was flowing man but when i checked it <laughs> I, you know, I had a checklist and I looked at it and shoot, man, I only hit eight out of the nine. 
Yeah, man. I mean, I had some I had some merging of action and awareness, but it wasn't really an inherently rewarding. Yeah, dude. Like that's the hard one for me as well is the merging of action and awareness. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm still not clear on that one. Exactly. Guys like that. So <laughs> you don't have to fulfill all nine, right? No. I yeah. I don't know what the cutoff is, but <laughs> It mostly has to do with being lost in a in an endeavor and having a good time. Just look at it like yeah, that. exactly. Fill those, fulfill those two things, dude. Right. Um, you can absolutely still have a very rewarding experience if you just lose a sense of time, like you said, a little little dose of time distortion, yeah. or lose self consciousness. Right. That's a good one because if you can carry that on in your life, you, you can just like I don't care what the heck people think of me. Yeah. I think if any of our listeners would actually actually think back to a time when they were totally totally immersed in an activity, um, I don't know. Be totally like, immer- t- totally immersed. <laughs> That's a new one. I, we want to keep that one in there too. Yeah, I, I loved turtles as a kid, by the way, I, but I wouldn't climb trees with them. Good. No, I wouldn't engage in those two flow activities at the same time. That that's almost animal cruelty. I'll tell you a, a, a snapper, uh, a snapping turtle story off air after this so anyway i I do believe that anybody who thinks back to a time when they were totally immersed in an activity whether it would be with a turtle or a tree (laughs) or tree climbing or playing basketball or baking cakes with the Susie homemaker easy bake oven it wouldn't matter they could look back to that and they would realize now after hearing us talk about flow they're they're gonna say hey man i actually have experienced flow it doesn't have to be when you were a kid either Right. Um, and, and of course, no one should stop in the middle of some kind of really cool, focused experience, pull out a checklist and see if they can, hmm, let's see, I've, I've got, let's check these off. Oh, darn it. I almost had, I almost had flow flowing. I got an eight out of nine. Yeah. You don't need to do that. Yeah. These are features that arise from flow not things that you can really force to happen. You can increase the likelihood of them happening with time, I think, as you become more used to the activity that you're doing and you know which set and setting works for you based on that activity. But the focus should really be on whatever the activity is that you're doing. Man, come on. Enjoy the moment. Benefit from it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. I think um, some people are going to scratch their head about the differences that could come up based on specific activities. So people do have work experiences that could be considered flow. If you think about coders uh, getting really deep into coding or anytime you've really studied hard for something, especially if it was studying something that you really enjoyed studying, there is cramming, which I wouldn't consider uh, a flow state. It's more, you know, I got to do this and got to get ready for the test and Make sure that I'm going to be prepared. And then you lose all, you know, you, you lose all the information that you got during the cram session. But there's also playing uh, or, or an athletic endeavor. Th- those are, that's another act. So we've got the, the work aspect. Yeah. You've got playing and sports, athletic endeavors, just movement endeavors. It doesn't have to be particularly super sporty. And then there's also uh, creativity and all the activities right. around that. There's writing, painting doing you know acting um sculpting anything anything you think of that comes to the creative and there's all of those various domains have 
the ability for flow within them. You know, they should, people should actually just find flow where they can get it, I think. And for some people, that means getting it from a company or at least informing themselves about flow, surrounding themselves with other people who are interested in flow. Um, I think some people might have an issue with companies that are monetizing flow like the Flow Genome Project and Flow Research Collective. Those are two companies out there that are quite big in the flow scene, we can say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, people might ask themselves, though, why would I need to spend thousands of dollars on a weekend retreat when the state of flow is right there with me, inherently within my being? And can anyone else really tell me what I find inherently rewarding? Can a highly polished company really tell you what is the best way for you to achieve flow? Maybe. Yeah, maybe one of the ways to think of it is like, um, I bet you I came in pretty hot on that one. Maybe, maybe one of the best ways to think about it is to, uh, I was so excited about what you just said. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Maybe one of the best ways to think about it is um, like fitness, for instance. Some people need a personal trainer and some don't. So I think our listeners are smart enough to understand, and we've said this on other podcasts, you be the judge. As far as these companies are concerned, as far as flow is concerned, as far as what you can do on your own uh, out there on the World Wide Web of Wonder to find out what what is flow and how can I benefit from it? Because I, I truly believe it is a beneficial state to be in. Me too. Um, as far as those companies that you just mentioned, the Flow Genome Project and Flow Research Collective, we've got a link to a New York Times article on 7000miles.com that is about the flow genome project so check it out see what you think um don't want to bias your your opinion about that it's it it comes across a little bit new agey but that doesn't mean it's bad uh and if you look at both websites you can see they're they're really polished and they promote the hell out of themselves so um just keep in mind that if it looks too good to be true yeah dot, dot 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 Ultimately, what really matters from proponents of flow or opponents of flow is that like anything, you should try it, make it your own, and use it if it works for you. And by works, we mean increase a sense of well-being and happiness in your life. That's what it's all about. Yes, that's what we want. We want more happiness, more well-being. That's our hope. That's why we're doing all this wondering. We're wondering, so you don't have to. You can wonder along with us. I think that's it, though. Is that time to wrap this flow up? That it, I think it is about time to do that. We want to hear from you, listeners, anyone who's listening to this. Probably We've probably got three or four people. <laughs> that's right. But I think, um, I think we had a flow at some point during this. Did you lose self-control? Did you get so focused Self-consciousness? In I'm always in control, man. Oh, well, I, 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 did, I, did, I did have a flow. I, I was in a flow, for okay. sure. You merged action and awareness along the line there somewhere? Didn't check that one off the list. But no, no. But I uh, I felt good. I think I'm going to feel it's going to carry on after this episode, after this podcast, into dinner tonight. I think so, too. I'll sleep well. That's good. It sounds like we're making fun of Flow, but we're not. We actually no, we're not. We're not. We want to hear from you. Yeah, yeah. What questions do you have about Flow? What ideas do you have about a future show? Are you ready to go? Email them to howdy at 7000wows.com. Thank you for listening. Yes, we thank you so much for listening. So go out there, create your own flow, and don't stop wondering.